Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Eyes on Earth, a podcast produced at the USGS Aero Center. Our podcast focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and across the globe who use remote sensing to monitor and study the health of Earth. My name is Tom Adamson. In this episode, we're talking with Mendenhall Postdoctoral Fellow and Research Physical Scientist, Dr. Michael Heestand. Michael works for Eros out of the University of California, Santa Barbara. The Mendenhall Fellowship is named after the fifth director of the USGS, Walter Mendenhall. It allows people who have just completed their PhD an opportunity to work on research with USGS scientists and prepare for their career. The two-year postdoctoral fellowships span the USGS mission areas. Michael, what drew you to remote sensing research in the first place? What's your background? So my background's uh, a combination of ecology and earth science. Um, I started as an environmental and earth science major and then decided I wanted to focus on climate in particular. I decided I wanted to go more the observational route as opposed to the modeling route uh, in terms of climate science. And I was thinking about different types of observations and how I could look at big picture sorts of changes that are happening in the environment in relation to climate change. And that led me into remote sensing. What's your bachelor's degree? Uh, so that's the environmental and earth science. Okay. Yeah. And it was basically uh, a double made, it was like almost a double major in earth science and biology. Okay. And, th- and then I, I assume you went to graduate school. Yes. And what was your degree in then? Uh, so I did my master's in geography and my PhD it was a dual title PhD in geography and climate science. And then how did you hear about this Mendenhall Fellowship? So that's kind of a, a funny story. I was, I was applying for jobs my last year of the PhD and I saw this and I was like, oh, that's not quite the best fit for me. I'm, I'm going to skip that one. And then my uh, I was working as a research assistant and my um boss for that project was like, hey, you should apply for this. Let me get you in touch with Chris, uh, who's my postdoc advisor here at uh, the University of California, Santa Barbara. So I had a meeting with Chris. Um, that went well. And then I had a meeting with my postdoc advisor, Heather at Eros. Heather yeah. Tollerud, who is a scientist at Eros right now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, they're, so I've got two postdoc advisors, one one at Eros and and one at the Climate Hazard Center here in California. What was your idea when you applied for the Mendenhall? So my initial idea was to use the continuous change detection and classification algorithm to provide a prognostic approach to drought prediction based off of land cover conditions. Initially, I was thinking I could use that to detect slight changes in vegetation stress that would be indicative of a forthcoming drought. That, so that was my initial proposal. Okay. Um, once I started, uh, it got morphed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're trying to use those land cover conditions to predict evapotranspiration. The idea is, is that if you can see like there's going to be a big influx in evapotranspiration, that could be indicative of a forthcoming drought. So instead of focusing solely on land cover conditions and vegetation stress. It's switched a little bit to focusing more on predicting evapotranspiration as a means of drought prediction and monitoring. Okay. And you you mentioned one of the t- 
tools that you're using is an algorithm called CCDC. Yeah. Can you just extrapolate real quick what that means? Yeah, so it's the Continuous Change Detection and Classification Algorithm. This algorithm was developed by Arrows to classify different land cover types and detect land cover change. And, and the way it works is it um, fits like a harmonic sine wave to the Landsat data. And I'm trying to apply this harmonic sine wave to the Landsat data to get evapotranspiration through uh, another model called CBOB. Okay, there's there's another model we'll have to mention real yeah. quick. I know the acronym is S-S-E-B-O-P. People call it CBOP. What does it stand for, first of all? And then what yeah. does it do? Yeah, so CBOP is the Operational Simplified Surface Energy Balance Model. And the idea behind CBOP is to get evapotranspiration estimates from Landsat data. And it works by finding the hot and cold pixel and doing some math with them, some meteorological variables, and then you get the, the evapotranspiration estimate. And this is another algorithm developed by Aero scientists. I think yes. that one was Gabriel Sine. Yeah, that's correct. That. So you're working yeah. with that. Yeah, I'm working with Gabriel Sine as well. I understand there's also something involved in your project called synthetic Landsat data. Can you describe what that is as well? Yeah, so the idea behind the synthetic Landsat data is we're taking the results from CCDC and we're stitching them together to make Landsat images based off of that particular model. Right now, we're just comparing the synthetic data to the Landsat data, because when you look at the harmonic wave in the CCDC algorithm, you can extrapolate values from that on a per pixel basis and generate some very pretty looking Landsat images that aren't actually real Landsat images, but they look like real Landsat images. Mm. You can get data in each one of the different bands and you can switch it um, around however you would want for whether you're trying to make a, a true color Landsat image or you could do a false color for red images. In this paper, I've got some images of evapotranspiration estimates uh, from the synthetic data and the Landsat observations, and they're a pretty good match. And then so right now, the paper that just about to submit any day now, or mm-hmm. in the next week, hopefully, okay, um, is trying to understand the accuracy of the synthetic Landsat data in relation to the Landsat observations. And then, because that's a pretty good fit, eventually we're going to use this continuous sine wave to try and fill in the gaps between Landsat overpasses and eventually make predictions going back into the whole drought forecasting aspect of the research. One of the great things with Landsat data that everybody talks about is the deep archive. We have data going back to 1972, and right now we have two Landsats operating, and it's great that we have an eight-day repeat cycle between the two of them. We get picture of the globe, all of the land on the earth every eight days between the two Landsats that are operating. But what you're working with, you're concerned about those gaps even in between that eight-day cycle. You want to be able to estimate evapotranspiration even more frequently than that. Is that what's going on? The real goal of of this project is to eventually produce what's known as near-term forecasts. 
so the idea is is we're really good at weather on like three to five days and we're good at like long-term multi-decadal climate predictions but if you're a farmer you really want to know like what's this summer going to be like and that's the near term that we're currently not very good at okay that's that near term more like seasonal or even sub-seasonal that's what we're uh, yeah. is going to be more helpful yeah so trying to get like six week to a year's forecast in, in terms of evapotranspiration and, and that's really hard and nobody's been able to find a good way to do that yet what would be the value in having evapotranspiration forecasts at that scale i think one of the main uses of this would be to help farmers make informed decisions about what varieties of crops to plant at the start of the growing season if we could predict that there's going to be high evapotranspiration across the summer, that might mean the farmer might want to bet on a more drought-resistant variety of crop that year. Whereas if it looks like there's going to be below average evapotranspiration across this coming growing season, maybe the farmer could go for a more productive strain that's less drought tolerant. Additionally, like if you're a rancher, uh, it could help inform where the optimal areas to graze your cattle might be this coming year. That's really interesting. That's a really practical use for this data. What you're working on now is verifying that the accuracy of it. Is that what your paper was about? Yeah, it's, it's seeing that the synthetic data actually produces usable results Great. or, or okay. accurate results to the observations before we start trying to develop the forecasts. Yeah, we have to see prove that it, it works well with the data we have for ready before we start doing it other things with it that it wasn't intended to do initially. Once you submit the paper, uh what happens next? Well it's probably gonna be a, a lengthy peer review process. That's uh, never a fun thing. Um, <laughs> That's how it works though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh when it's um while it's in review, I'm gonna immediately start on on the next paper on this line, trying to get one last publication out before my postdoc ends. Okay. Um, and the idea behind this next paper is going to try to develop some hindcast. So I'll look at uh, 2020 and see if I can extend the CCDC harmonic algorithm out into the future a little, into the quote unquote future a little bit. Mm. Um, so say 2021, you know, so I'm going to make this imaginary forecast for 2021 and then compare that to the actual 2021 data and see how well my pretend forecast does. Okay, so how much time is left on your Mendenhall Fellowship? I've got until the end of April. Okay, yeah. so you're hoping to get this second project uh, finished up by then? Correct. Okay, and like you said, submit a paper and then that process obviously goes on beyond that. Um, you'll just be able to continue working on that, hopefully. I, I hope so, because I, I think uh, this near-term forecasting is the, the real cutting edge of climate science at the moment. The other main goals of this is to like try to like help people make informed decisions about targeting where to irrigate. Because mm -hmm. uh, if you can be like, okay, this side of the county is going to dry out a lot faster than, than that county over there, you know, you can maybe make better decisions about using limited water resources for irrigation. 
I'd like to thank Michael for joining us for this episode of Eyes on Earth, where we talked about his Mendenhall Fellowship Project, near-term evapotranspiration estimates for drought forecasting. And thank you, listeners. Check out the USGS Aero social media accounts to watch for our newest episodes. And you can also subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. Is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior. I mean, there's the snarky reason why I under remote sensing. Let's hear that. Uh, I didn't want to take time off from my band to be in the middle of nowhere keeping instruments running in terms of field observations. <laughs> That's great. Not snarky at all. That sounds like a good uh, good excuse. Yeah.